it's a, it's a great privilege to be with you here today. I was going to be with at least, I think, some of you in Europe, um, but uh, I ran into some heart complications. And so next week, um, I get to do one of the things I least like to do. I have to go for an angioplasty. And um, it's not painful. They just have to put you in that tunnel and keep you there for quite a bit of time. And it's kind of claustrophobic. So I do that next Wednesday. And they're going to see, is it stress? And the fact that I've been sleeping just a few hours a night, or is there another problem with my heart? But uh, either way, it'll, it'll work itself out, I'm sure. Um, David, were you at the conference? Yes, Brother Poet was um, very starring, huge blessing. Uh, very privileged to get to know uh, uh, Andy Hamilton. Yeah. He was amazing. Yeah, yeah he is, um, in my opinion, he's the closest thing to the Apostle Paul on the planet. Um, he, uh, he has preached the gospel all over China, and he's been beat up more times than we can count. So, <laughs> and uh, his wife is actually uh, more amazing than he is. She actually defied the uh, Chinese Communist Party and stood before their board and told them all off. <laughs> so she's an amazing person uh, and her orphanages and different things. Uh, she'll go down in history. Um, he can be a little intimidating though, can't he? He gets right up in your face and he asks you the hard questions. The first time I met him, he said, uh, Brother Paul, have a seat. I sat down, he pulled his chair up and he got about this far away from me. And he said, how's your walk with God? And if you give him some kind of general answer, he'll go, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. How much time every day are you in God's word? And you have to give him a specific time. How much time are you in prayer? Are you holy? Is there a sin that has a hold of you? Have you been watching television? I mean, he just, he just goes at you and uh, there's no escape. I kind of refer to it as a precursor to standing before the judgment seat of Christ. <laughs> uh, he's a real blessing and uh, God has used him do you know he was a professional football player? And there are still videos of him. There's one move that he made in the end zone in American football that even till today, they show it on, uh, on YouTube everywhere. And, uh, you know, so. All right, well, let's, um, we're gonna be in 1 Timothy and uh, chapter five. And we're going to start in verse 19. So I'll read the text. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias 
doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. Do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. No longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. The sins of some men are quite evident, going before them to judgment. For others, their sins follow after. Likewise also, deeds that are good are quite evident, and those which are otherwise cannot be concealed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word and the great wisdom that is contained within. Father, I pray, please help us to understand this text and more so, Lord, to apply it to our lives, to walk in obedience to your wisdom. Father, help us now in the Holy Spirit both to speak and to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, sooner or later, most likely in your ministry, uh, you yourself may be accused or a fellow elder may be accused of some sin that may not be disqualifying or may be disqualifying. Uh, the accusation may be true, it may be false. And so this is a very, very serious issue and a great deal of wisdom is required. There is a balance required. And um, here's something that I would like to share with you about a balance. Um, so we're looking at when an accusation is made against an elder, how do we balance this out from private to public, to listening, to discounting? How do we deal with it? Well. There has to be preemptive work. There has to be foundational work. And what do I mean by that? Many people today, uh, they kind of neglect the scriptures. And so when they come to a point where they need to make a decision, what do they do? You know, they kind of open up the Bible and they look for an answer, you know, like it was a topical answer book. Well, even if you open up the Bible and find the answer, uh, that still doesn't mean you have wisdom to deal with the situation. So when we talk about balance in the Christian life and in the ministry, that doesn't come just by going to a specific text that talks about a specific situation. It comes from a life of renewing your mind in the Word of God so that you begin to think biblically. Do you see that? And, and dear brothers, listen to me. I am so tempted in my life to get up very early in the morning and start on a book that I'm working on or get up very early because I've got to preach or um, deal with a certain situation in the ministry. But if we do not spend, if we do not devote ourselves to daily reading through Scripture, studying the full counsel of God, we will never have the wisdom that we need to deal with some of these delicate situations that sometimes require a tremendous amount of wisdom because these problems are nuanced. And so that's the first thing that I want to say, that even if you understand verses 19 through 25 better than any scholar, 
That doesn't mean you have the wisdom, okay, to, to actually deal with the situation. So I would plead with you, uh, mark it down. Spend every day reading through Scripture, renewing your mind in the Word of God. Now, verse 19, do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Now, I want us to look. We're going to deal with, first of all, accusations against an elder who presumably is wayward. He is in sin somehow. This requires three things when we talk about this topic. Caution, number one, caution. Number two, it requires courage. It does require courage. And three, there's a, the idea of preemptive wisdom that, that we're going to talk about also. But let's look at this first thing. It says, um, do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Now, from where does this come? What is the, the basis of what Paul is saying here? It's found in Deuteronomy 17, 6. And it's a principle that we see even in the Gospels that we see everywhere. And specifically in Deuteronomy 17, 6, on the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses, he who is to die shall be put to death. He shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. Now, we're not talking about putting an elder to death, but we are talking about making a very serious judgment that could pull a man from the ministry, okay? Could destroy his ministry. And so what we're seeing here is that there must be collaboration. There must be more than one Witness, And we need to begin this process with a great deal of care. Now, another thing that I want to say is even though there's more than one witness, let's say there's two, three, five, six, how many, they must be examined. Those witnesses must be examined. In 1 Kings 21, 9 through 10, what do we read about? Jezebel. And she wants to get that vineyard for her weak king, doesn't she? And what does she do? She pays two worthless men, two worthless men to testify, to give false testimony with regard to the owner of the vineyard. So here we can see the principle of always needing to examine. And we're gonna see later without partiality, without bias, but nonetheless, we must examine all of this. You know, we live in an age where accusations fly. Whenever a culture is extremely ungodly, as the West has become insanely ungodly, and accusations are just put forth constantly. And here's, here's another thing. Accusations from certain people groups. L let me give you an example. Um, let, let's say that a woman makes an accusation against an elder. It needs to be taken seriously. Everything needs to be examined. Every stone needs to be overturned. But we kind of live in a culture, don't we, where the moment a woman makes an accusation, it's automatically assumed to be true. 
Now you say, yes, that's the way it is. Well, in prior days, there was a time when if a man made an accusation against a woman, it was just assumed to be true. Well, regardless of who's making the accusation, we must use caution and we must examine everything carefully. And sometimes in the heat of the moment, it's very, very difficult to do that. Or wickedness can become so embedded in the entire situation that it becomes so convoluted that it's almost impossible to find out what's really going on. And so I want you to see that when someone makes an accusation, they should be examined. They shouldn't be denied. And yet at the same time, you shouldn't presume that their accusation is true. Now, I want to say something here that I think is very important, especially for you young men. And that is this. There has to be a balance when there's these kinds of accusations of in some ways, privacy is important. Um, it should be dealt with possibly at least at some time in the process privately with the accuser and the elders judging. And yet at the same time, we need to be very, very careful that the congregation isn't excluded from the entire process. And that's why I think Matthew 18 is so important here. Now, I want to show you, talk to you about a scenario that happens far too often, far too often. I'm not saying it happens all the time or everyone is guilty of this. And I'm not saying that some, all of the things I'm going to share are wrong. Like I said, this requires a great deal of uh, wisdom. The situations can be very nuanced. But here's something that I want you to see. When in every case and throughout the entire process, the congregation is shut out or left in ignorance, it can cause a great deal of problems and lead to elders and kind of an elder abuse. Okay? First of all, the pulpit and the position of elder is a, is a coveted place for a wicked man. It is a coveted place for a narcissist. I mean, you're standing up there in front of everyone, you're the voice of God. When people come to you for counseling, they do things that you tell them to do. Now, I'm not saying that's right at all, but what I'm saying is it happens, and it happens all too often. And so when problems are only dealt with, always and only dealt with by the elders, and everyone is just to assume that whatever the elders do is right, that is a breeding ground for a great deal of trouble. And it puts people in a terrible, terrible condition. And when we get done, we're going to see that there's not one necessary, one exact process for each situation. Matthew 18 does apply. But we need to be very, very careful, and a lot of wisdom is required. Let me give you a possible case scenario. So let's say that a member has a real problem with an elder. 
Uh, maybe the elder's speech is very coarse, handles people roughly, uh, you know, says things and then denies it, just all sorts of things, okay? So that person accuses that elder, goes to that elder and says, this is the way you are. And the elder says, no, no, it's not. But then maybe it, it goes beyond that and, and the other elders get involved and they judge it and say, no, it's not. Your accusation is invalid, okay? And the elder and the person is told, okay, you're wrong. The person, let's say, accepts it and goes back and gets back in the congregation and sits there and is warned. Now, you better not start gossiping. You better not talk to other people about this because that will be gossip. And that person sits there and they think, I, I'm the only one who's seeing this. I must be crazy. But what the elders aren't telling that person is 20 other people in the congregation have come and said the same thing. Okay? But they're told if they talk to each other about it, what happens? You're gossiping and you're dividing the church. And so do you see that there's a very dangerous situation here? You shouldn't be gossiping. That's true. And yet at the same time, when things are so closed, where no one knows what's going on except the elders, there can be great abuse. And even sometimes abuse when most of the elders are good guys. One of the things that's been happening in recent years is, you know, it's this growth of the idea of an elder-led church. And um, that's a good thing. But, but remember, it's elder-led. And that we primarily lead through expositing scripture and through our example. But it, when it comes to a point where the elder is basically the voice of God, that's another situation. That's very, very, very dangerous. Another thing that happens is oftentimes when we talk about a plurality of elders, that's really not what's going on. So let's say that one, el one man is, a, is an elder, and let's say he's either, either extremely intelligent or he has a very, very powerful personality. And then as time goes on, he recommends other people from the congregation uh, to be elders. Now that can be a good thing because someone has to recommend, but you can see, I think, how this can go south. He handpicks people who will be his yes men. And so there is the claim that the congregation is elder led, okay? So the congregation doesn't have much of a voice because it's elder led, but it's not really elder led, it's led by one man, but those other elders act as a buffer. Now I've spoken with other men uh, church historians in the last few years, um, guys who kind of have their pulse on the reformed movement and things. And there is a great concern, especially among young elders, that this is the type of thing that goes on sometimes. And so you can see that there's not a specific answer all the time exactly how to deal with every situation. But one thing you've got to see is this is the reason by why elders must be men of the highest quality and the highest character. 
They must be men who honestly and truly are laying down their lives for the sheep. And they must be men who are somewhat self-effacing. It, it is very important when we're standing in a position of authority to warn people about our authority. To make it clear that all of God's people um, are regenerated by the Spirit, possess the Spirit, have the Scriptures. We should constantly be telling people, you know, follow the example of the Bereans, search the Scriptures to make sure that what I'm saying is true. Uh, elders ought to be open to correction and rebuke from the congregation. And when it is possible, they should be open in all their endeavors. When you see a church where people are leaving kind of on a regular basis and you never know why, you, you, you kind of need to start thinking, what's going on here? And, and a lot of young men are committing some of these problems and it's, it's not because they want to manipulate or hurt. It's out of pure ignorance. One of the things that, that I've noticed recently is when I've talked to especially young men about this, they'll say, well, you know, that's a sensitive situation. It needs to be held by the elders. It needs to be taken care of by the elders and the congregation, you know, shouldn't be a part of that. It's a very sensitive situation. And I go, like, uh, like what we have in 1 Corinthians, where a uh, man is having some sort of an affair with his mother-in-law, or, or his, uh, I'm sorry, his father's wife, his stepmom. Is, 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 is that what you're talking about? I want you to remember that there is a need for discretion. But Paul did not write his letters just to the elders, did he? He says, the church and the elders. Uh, puts church first. And so when he wrote that letter, uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, he wrote it to the church and it was read to the church. Philippians, where it tells people, you need to start getting along, ladies, and things like that. It was written to the church. And so um, this is just... You know, we can't put our finger on every situation, but I just want to warn you that you really need to be men who study the scriptures. OK, now we're going to talk later about, you know, how does Matthew 18 possibly um, apply here and things like that. But be very, very careful in this kind of new idea of elders where they literally handle everything and it kind of develops an attitude of you little people don't worry about it you should trust us okay so we want to be very careful about that now i want us to look at uh, verse 20 and 21 those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. Now, there's something here that, that I, I want to point out. Remember, we've already talked about caution. Now we're going to talk for a moment about courage. Many elders and elder boards can be kind of intimidating. And they can be intimidating in two ways. 
Number one, they're just intimidating in their personality. I have met a lot of people in the ministry that when I had to confront them, you know, you, you had to have your game together. They were intimidating individuals. But then there's another way in which you can be intimidating. And, I, and you probably, maybe you've never thought of this, your knowledge. You know more Bible. They know you know more Bible. And so you can just about shoot down anything they bring at you. Do you see that? Or a man can be so intelligent that you just can't beat him. Um, there's a situation right now that I may have to deal with in which there's this, uh, you know, this, this theonomy thing that's been going on. It just seems like it's getting worse and worse of young men turning to theonomy and all this type of stuff. And I may have to go address uh, the issue with some men. I can't, I can't beat them intellectually. I can't. They're smarter than me. Um, they've got more degrees than I have socks. But, and I'm talking about, you know, a more radical theonomy, but I can go there and plead with them for the sake of Christ, don't do this. It's causing, no, I can't beat you in an argument, but look at the fruit, L look what's going on. It's tearing people apart. Do you see? And so intimidation is not just that the guy is, you know, two and a half meters tall and weighs 150 uh, kilograms, you know, kilos. Um, it can be just his, the degrees on his wall. But we, we, we have to deal with these matters with caution. Just because someone makes an accusation doesn't mean we believe it. But we also have to deal with this matter with courage. Now, another thing that, that can happen. Um, many elders know who to get on their side. Wealthy people, powerful people. I'm talking about elders who are not moral men. They know who to butter up. They know who to minister to. Okay, to keep on their side. And so when some little saint comes and says, I have an accusation against this great elder, then many times the most powerful people in the church go on attack mode. Do you see that? Because, brothers, I hate talking this way, but, um, you know, we're warned about people coming in uh, to the flock. Brothers, listen to me. Here are just some things let me throw out. Is a man really pouring out his life for the sheep? Does the man ever get up in front of the people and, and publicly Say, you know, last Sunday I, I said something and I had a wrong attitude when I said it. Please forgive me. Does he ever repent of a specific sin? Does, does he look, does he handle himself like someone who is impeccable? <laughs> be very, very afraid of that. We need to be transparent, not overly so, so it's, it's foolish. 
because not everything is between us and the public. But we ought to be broken men, kind men, men that can be talked to, that can be spoken to, men who listen when we're challenged and don't immediately think of a defense. You see. So um, John MacArthur says something that's uh, I saw him in a, in a, a video one time and, he's, and someone said the question was, you know, how much authority does an elder have? And he said, absolutely none. <laughs> and the point he was making was he can only lead as he exposits scripture. Now, if you think about it for a moment, remember the king of Israel, Deuteronomy 17? He was to write out a copy of the law in the presence of the priests. Why? His authority went as far as that book. Your authority goes as far as the book and no farther. There are some situations in counseling and all kinds of things, brethren, where you're going to have to tell someone, I can take you this far in exposition. I can take you this far and say, this is exactly what the word of God says in this given situation. But with the specific application, I can make some recommendations, but don't take my application as the same thing as the exposition. Do you see? We're to humbly shepherd the, the, the sheep. Also, another thing that's very important with regard to authority, never forget the idea of realms. I'm getting a little off topic. We'll make it back in just a second. But, you know, with regard to a family, be very careful. You need to be very careful. That's a different institution. That's a different realm. You can teach on the family. You can give guidance to the family, but you're not the head of that family. If a husband is sending his wife to you to get your recommendation on something, and they're going to do everything based on what you say, there's probably a problem there, don't you think? And, and so we, we, we just need to be very, very careful. If you will hold to the fact that I am going to lead by expositing scripture and by my example, I think you'll do well. As long as you're correctly expositing scripture and not using it as a, as a buffer or to, to lift up your authority. Now, and, and again, this goes back to why, you know, men who lead must be men of character. And, and I want to say this, uh, the last thing, we'll take a break and come back. Uh, John MacArthur says, elders are to be protected from false accusations. I think we'd all agree with that. But they are not to receive immunity from true accusations. There may come a time where an elder that has become your best friend, you discover that there is a hidden darkness that disqualifies him. And it should break your heart. You know, we talked about intimidation as a, you know, a man being very big, and that's intimidating. A man being very smart, but could also be a man very, very close to you that you honestly do not want to hurt. 
So let's, uh, let's take a break right there for a few minutes, and then um, I'd love to come back and, and keep going. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, uh, for the opportunity to do these, these Bible studies. Father, please, please help us. We are so, Lord, we can, like Joshua and the Gibeonites, Lord, we can look how old the saddle is and how worn out the shoes are. And look at how dry their, uh, their water containers are, their water skins. But Lord, we can't see inside the heart of a man. We need more than just our observation. We need your help, your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.